What's up, everyone? I'm Lexi. And I'm Sarah. Welcome to Kills, Thrills, and Chills. Buckle up for this week's case. All right, guys. Today, I have the first haunting paranormal case. But I do want to say it is kind of true crime because it did happen in the United States. Um, if you're like us, we're big paranormal fans, believers, everything like that. So I hope this resonates with you as much as it did with us. So today we're talking about the Velisca Axe Murder House. These murders occurred between the evening of June 9th, 1912 and the early morning of June 10th, 1912 in the town of Velisca, Iowa. Six members of the Moore family who lived in the Velisca house and two guests, the Stillinger sisters, who were children, were found bludgeoned in the Moore residence. All eight victims, including six children, had severe head wounds from an axe. 7 a.m. on June 10th, 1912, Mary Peckhamthe. Peckhamthe. Say that to me. <laughs> so let's just call her Mary. Yeah, Mary, uh, it was the Moore's neighbor. And she was very concerned at 7 a.m. that morning because she noticed the family had not come out to do their morning chores. And again, we are in 1912. So you had to get up extremely early, do everything that you had to do. So, of course, their next door neighbor is going to notice this. Uh, Mary knocked on the Moore's door. And when no one answered, she tried to open the door and discovered that it was locked. Mary let the Moore's chickens out and called Ross Moore, Josiah's brother, who's a father. And like Mary, Moore received no response when he knocked on the door and shouted. Ross unlocked the front door with his copy of the house key. While Mary stood on the porch, Ross went into the parlor and opened the guest bedroom door, where he found Ina and Lena Stillinger's bodies on the bed. Moore immediately told Mary to call Henry Hank Horton, Velisca's primary peace officer, who arrived shortly thereafter. Horton's search of the house revealed that the entire Moore family and the two Stillinger girls had been bludgeoned to death. The murder weapon, an axe that belonged to Josiah, was found in the guest room where the Stillinger sisters were found. And doctors concluded that the murders had taken place between midnight and 5 a.m., Two cigarettes in the attic suggested that the killer or killers patiently waited in the attic until the Moore family and the Sillinger guests were asleep. The killer, or killers, putting that out there because we don't know, (laughs) began in the master bedroom where Josiah and Sarah Moore, I don't like that her name Sarah, were sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) So Josiah and Sarah were sleeping and Josiah received more blows from the axe than any other victim in the house. His face had been cut to such an extent that his eyeballs were missing. Oh my god. Yeah. It's definitely not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> what I don't understand is how they got in <coughs> to the house without being noticed if they like waited till the family was asleep. So we're going to touch on this later, but I agree. Sorry. So it was it was 1912, so locking doors <laughs> wasn't a thing. Yeah. But we will talk later because it's not a big house at all. And you've seen this. I no, made yeah, you watch I've this. I've seen videos of the house, yeah. yeah. It is small. So that is like one of the theories I want to this go on. This whole case is so mind-boggling to me. Oh, my God. And you can tell it's just so like, I mean, you and me are psychos and we want to go to this house because it definitely is haunted. 
like extremely oh, haunted. How could it not be? Six people were exactly eight people. Eight, eight, people. eight people were axe murdered to death. And I'm gonna let you in on a secret. Ooh. No one has been convicted of this. This is still a cold case. <laughs> yeah, you knew this. No, it's okay. Yeah, but no one's been convicted. No one's. I mean. Someone's been tried, which we'll get into, but no one's been convicted. This is still a cold case. Eight murders in one night, six children in this small house. How do you limit yourself axe murdering children? Nope. I have no idea. There was clearly more children than adults in the house. It's so fucked. And so I do want to give a little context. The Stillinger sisters, they were younger, um, Ina and Lena. I love that their names rhyme. Uh, they actually, uh, Lena, or Eno was the older one. She was only about like 15, 16. So they were still young. And they only stayed there because it was so late at night that it was so dark and they did not want to walk home. So they wanted to stay somewhere that they were safe. So imagine they just walked home. I know. It's horrible. The killer or killers use the blade of the axe. So, all right. I actually need to clarify this because so, you know, the blade, that's what you chop wood with. Yeah. But then the blunt end is the other side that's flat. Yeah. Okay. So the killer actually used the blade of the axe on Josiah, the father, but he used the blunt end on all the rest of the victims. And we have heard in the documentaries we watch, I'll bring it up again, but they said that they use the blade on Josiah first because when you use a blade, it gets stuck. Like when it gets stuck in wood. So he didn't, yeah, he didn't want to keep doing that with everyone in the house. Right. So the blunt end, he can actually just keep going. So, okay. That was the whole thing. That makes sense. So he, he learned his mistake the first time. (laughs) Herman, Mary, Catherine, Arthur, and Paul were next bludgeoned in the head in the same manner as their parents. So those are the children, Herman, Mary, Catherine, Arthur, and Paul. Afterwards, the murderer returned to the master bedroom to inflict more blows on the elder Moors, knocking over a shoe that had filled with blood before moving downstairs to the guest bedroom and killing Ina and Lena. Investigators believe that all of the victims except for Lena Sillinger had been asleep when murdered. They thought that she was awake and tried to fight back as she was found lying crosswise on the bed with a defensive wound on her arm. Lena's nightgown was pushed up to her waist and she was wearing no undergarments, leading to law enforcement speculation that the killer sexually molested her or attempted to do so. There were plenty of suspects, but the murder was never solved. One suspect, Reverend George Kelly was actually tried for the murders. Kelly was a traveling minister who was in town the night of the crime. He was at the service the Moore family attended before their deaths, but inexplicably left town between 5 and 5.30 a.m. the next morning. He showed a suspicious interest in the murders, though, and after being in and out of trouble with the law for sending obscene material through the mail and a stint in the mental hospital, he was arrested for the murders in 1917, which is... Five years later, let's, this happened in 1912. So he confessed and then recanted and he was eventually tried and acquitted. It seems that most people didn't believe that he was mentally or physically capable of the murders. That's the only reason why he was acquitted because they yep. thought he wasn't mentally. What? Yep. Was there any like, I, hard evidence, you know? 
No, it was there really wasn't, especially in 1912. Like I know, because like no, it's it's hard. Yeah, but the thing was, they said the most damning evidence against him was that he was at the service. The more family attended before their deaths, they were friendly, but then left town out of nowhere at 5 a.m. when the murders happened between 9 p.m. and 7 a.m. So it's like. It's a little weird. Yeah. And then yeah. he did confess, but then recanted and said it was like, he didn't mean it. He was just in the police uh, station for too long, or peace officer station. Okay. So he so. was like, basically playing like the, it was coerced out of me card. Yep. Exactly. So that is the history of the Velisca Axe murders. And now we're going to get into some of the hauntings. I will give you some history on how it became about again because obviously it was shut down after this no one wanted to go in there the house is slated to be torn down in 1994 but a local woman named martha lynn decided that it was an important piece of town history that was worth saving which i agree it's a horrible thing that happened and i think everyone should know what has happened in the town but i also don't think you should have opened it for a lot of stuff which we will get into right now After she bought the house in 1994, she quickly realized that there was a ton of organic interest in opening it for tours and overnight ghost hunts. She did some work to take out the plumbing and restore the appearance of the house to look as it did back in 1912, and then added period-appropriate decor, and it's been well worth that effort. (laughs) Other than the regular daylight hour tours, which you can go to Monday through Sunday, I think they're actually open, You can also book an overnight stay in the house. You will be there from 9 p.m. until 5 a.m. Those will set you back just over $400 and have proved very popular, but ghost hunters and paranormal enthusiasts. I actually did research on who was staying overnight and doing the tours, and it shows in the last decade, it is mostly, like, people, like, paranormal enthusiasts like ghost hunters that so it showed that from 1840 women true crime obsessed women are the number one visitors and i just want to give us a shout out we're killing it out here we are killing it (laughs) pun intended yes (laughs) Um, but i yeah, no, tell me what you have for here before I go Has into my two stories. Either by the, is there anyone that was like brave enough to say alone? Yes, there was. Ooh. So I'll give you a little context. So the next story I am going to talk about is actually the property manager who still works there and hopes to work there until his kids work there. But then we actually. Lexi and I found this YouTube channel of our, we like to call them our friends now, Sam and Colby, (laughs) and they have really crazy videos, and that is what I'm going to end with, with my notes on their video at the Velisca Axe Murder House, because it really stuck with me, and I need to talk about that. Shout out, Sam and Colby, if you're listening for some crazy reason. Uh, At Sam and Colby. (laughs) Yes, we have... Um, gone into a rabbit hole on your channel. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I have that. I have a little blurb <laughs> to say how much we appreciate them already. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, the first story, well, which you'll get used to 
is the property manager. His name is Johnny Hauser. He actually started. So I'm just going to read this story because it's all firsthand of Johnny. And I think that's the only way to go across it because you'll understand when we get deeper in the story. So, and he was on a podcast and this is where I found it. It was actually called Extremes Podcast. It's season three, episode one, Stabbing at a Haunted House. And this was in March, 2021. So if you want to go listen to that, it's only 30 minutes. It's actually really interesting. But I'm going to go off of the story. So, quote, when I came to the house originally, I didn't believe in ghosts. Honestly, I thought it was stupid. I remember texting my buddies and just saying, look at my job's website with the ghost photos. Like, you know, I got my job at the house not long after I moved to Villisca with my wife at the time. Every day I go for a walk and I see Darwin, the building's owner, out the front in his bib overalls working on the place. And I would just bombard him with questions. Okay, tell me the suspects. Okay, go over the crime scene with me. One day, Darwin looked at me and said, you're here every single day. I might as well pay you to do something while you're here. Do you want a job? So I took right over the building's maintenance, the groundskeeping, the website. Like I just kind of, it all fell into my lap, which I love. The clientele, and this actually shows you where I got my research. The clientele at the Velisca Axe Murder House ranges from young women who are really, really, really into true crime to lots of senior citizens who come here for our senior bus tour. We have a group of senior ladies that come down and try to figure out who the axe murderer was amongst themselves, which I just want to point out. It's going to be us. It's going (laughs) to be us. Literally going to be us. We are going to be there in like 2060 and be like, what is happening? Do we know what happened? Who did this? We're going to like try and solve unsolved crimes. We're like, oh my God, have nothing better to do. This podcast is going to be around until we're 78. But then he also said we they also get a lot of ghost hunters. And he goes, I mean, 90% of our overnight clientele are paranormal investigators. The night that changed everything in 2014 started off like any normal overnight. I was in the barn just waiting for the car to pull up. I saw the car stop and this gentleman walks towards the barn and I can see he had a hunting knife attached to his belt. He was wearing camouflage pants, which is kind of normal attire around here. So I just shrugged and let him in. He seemed very normal to me. No red flags, really. My red flag was at first that he was there with his mom and dad. But then instantly I'm like, don't be a jerk. Maybe that's their thing. Which I want to point out, I go everywhere with my parents. It's not a weird thing, okay? (laughs) And he was probably guessing, and they're talking about the paranormal investigator in his 50s. Finally, he told me how he was going to give the house a piece of his mind. So I said, oh, cool, have fun with that. Then I went home to bed. The next morning, I woke up, picked up my phone, and I was tagged in a million things on social media. I saw all these headlines. Quote, man stabs himself at Axe Murder House. Unquote. I just couldn't believe it. I rushed over to the house where I made a couple of my friends meet me. I didn't want to be flying solo in a situation like that. So when we walked in... And right on the floor in the kitchen was a blanket wrapped up and there was a little teddy bear foot sticking out of it. A lot of people bring teddy bears. Well, we're obviously going to talk about this in the next one. But like watching Sam and Colby, I've noticed now if you go to very haunted places, you're bringing like a token. So you're telling them that like uh, we're here for good vibes, nothing bad. We just want to talk. Yeah. So. Because there was kids involved. Exactly. So I do have to say, 
when I first read this, I didn't understand it. But then after watching Sam and Colby's channel, I was like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. So, um, and then he said a lot of people bring teddy bears and dolls and stuff to leave as tokens for the kids. So that bit was normal. But this teddy was covered in all blood. And my first thought was not again, not again in this house. I went in with a bottle of bleach and towel because I'd seen that on The Sopranos. And dumped bleach all over the floor and mopped the towel around my foot. At that point, the house's other owner, Martha, came in and she was crying. She was like, this is supposed to be fun. Should we just close now? I told her we couldn't close. I told her that if we closed, people would say we had to close because the house was too haunted. Pretty soon, we'd have people breaking in. So I told her, let's keep going. From there, we kept going. I later found out that the gentleman with the hunting knife had been in the house by himself doing some sort of solo investigation in the kid's bedroom. And that's where the mom and dad found the knife shoved through their son's chest. He was in the hospital in Omaha, Nebraska, and he was in critical condition, but he did survive. I never heard anything more. I wanted to reach out to him, but I never did. And it wasn't until a few years later that I found out what had happened. A TV show about paranormal activity was filming at the house. It was called Kindred Spirits, and the producers had convinced the guy to revisit the house. So one day I just walked into the barn where they had all their equipment, and I saw the guy just sitting there in a chair. And out loud, I was like, you. I was shocked to see him. So I sat down and I said, I have a million questions for you. And he said he tried to answer as best as he could. So I told him that my first question was why he brought the knife. And he told me he usually conceal carries handguns, but he didn't know the laws in Iowa. So he thought he'd just bring a knife instead, which is smart of him. Not a lot of people think of that, like who like conceal yeah. carry guns. Like they never say like where he's from or anything. So he has to be from a state that doesn't matter. Johnny said, asked him his biggest question and he asked what happened. He told me he had been alone in the bedroom provoking, trying to get the ghost to come at him. Then he said he woke up in the emergency room and didn't remember a thing. At that point, he started crying really hard. He told me that it ruined his life. Everybody thought he was crazy or thought he was after money or to be on a TV show. And he just said that he wanted to finally tell his side of the story so people wouldn't think he was insane. What really stuck with me was that when we all walked in the house together, he was right next to me. And the first thing he did when he walked in the house was apologize. Not to anyone particular. He apologized for the house. He apologized for getting loud and yelling and screaming and doing the come at me, bro stuff. I could hear the shakiness in his voice and he was saying it, looking up to the ceiling. And I was just thinking, this is so weird. So bizarre. After the incident in 2014, I have never really spent the night at the house again. I'm just kind of done with saying the night at the Axe house. I'm never going to say a ghost stepped and come on, let's get real. But maybe there's something in that house that preys on people that are mentally ill or not rooted in any kind of faith or protection. I want zero to do with any of that. Is there anything evil in the house? Well, I think that what happened in the house is evil. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But I think when you go to the house looking for good, you're going to get good. I think when you go there looking for bad, you're going to get bad. I think it just reflects back to you, whatever you're wanting to get out of it. Certainly the murder in 1912 was evil and horrible. And I think that that leaves an imprint on places. You go to Auschwitz or places where tragedy has happened and that feeling's there. You know something bad happened. I think evil leaves a fingerprint. And then he says, the last quote is, in any case, I want to keep the house going. I'm afraid that if somebody else 
buys it, they'd make it into a circus sideshow joke. We actually had a person that wanted to buy it and make it into a murder museum and move it into Los Angeles. And it was like, no, I don't ever want anything like that happening to it. I really hope that I'm the one that keeps it going. And I hope that my kids someday are running it and keeping it going too. That's Johnny Hauser, the property manager there, who does now to this day, all the tours, all the maintenance. So he is, Martha owns it and everything. Martha and her husband own it, but he is the sole property manager and is the only one that is really there. So before we go on to the other one, I just, I needed to do that because that was a first hand. He was not there when the stabbing happened, but he was there before and for the aftermath and then saw him again and got to ask questions. So something creepy happened. Yeah. You know what? I, when I actually, again, shout out Sam and Colby. Um, when I was watching the one on, uh, where was the shining? Why am I drawing a blank right now? The Stanley Hotel. The Stanley Hotel. Yeah. In uh, Colorado. So uh, they were talking to the guy, the paranormal guy, and he was basically saying, like, people almost bring that energy with yeah. them. So, you know, if the guy who got stabbed brought oh. that negative energy and was provoking whatever was in that house, that yeah. energy is what you're going to bring. Well, that's what I was going to say, because Johnny said, the first thing he said was like, I don't remember the exact words, like, come at me, bro. I don't believe you. Like, all this stuff. If you're bringing yeah. in that negative energy, these ghosts or spirits are going to fuck with you. And they're going to enjoy it so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think if you're provoking evil. Wow. And like, there is the one thing I did want to talk about, but I think I'm going to wait until after I just talk about the Sam and Colby video. Okay. Because I just want everyone to remember that, like he said, it leaves a fingerprint. Evil leaves a fingerprint. And I've never heard this term before until I watched uh, I read this article and then watched the Sam and Colby video. And like, I honestly feel like it was like floodgates in my mind. Like, oh my God, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, so it's crazy, it, it does. Right? Like, has he, I forget, did he say he experienced like anything personally mm -hmm. other yeah. than that? Yeah, he speaks about it with actually Sam and Colby. Okay. So right. it's exciting. I, I always get so, ahead of myself. I know, it's okay though. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into Sam and Colby. We recently found their channel, and we both have been watching nothing else. Like, honestly, the last week, that's it. Yeah, like, Me, while I'm working, oh it's God. on. It's beautiful. While I'm chilling, it's on. They have so many videos, so you can go off. It's beautiful. Me and Lexi are both big believers and sort of kind of obsessed with the paranormal. So finding them was like finding a diamond in the rough. They have gone to countless haunted places. Some of my favorites that I will include. The Real Conjuring House, which has been to twice. Villisca House, which we are talking about. The Sally House, which actually has a connection to the Villisca, but... Yeah, that is, like, crazy. The We will touch on it, but I'm only going to touch on it in a bit, because I think Lexi should cover the Sally House. And yeah, then we I'll, could I'll be like... Oh. Maybe I'll do that one next week. Yeah, that would be perfect. Then we can all okay, come together, everyone would know. And then the last one, which is my number one favorite, the Crescent Hotel. That is the scariest. It's basically a hotel. And the guy who opened the hotel opened it for basically tuberculosis treatment. And he had no idea what he was doing. So all of the patients died. 
tell it's crazy. A lot of people have like thrown themselves off of the balcony. Negative it's energy. Very <laughs> crazy. Negative. <laughs> but highly recommend binging their channel. You will not be able to stop, I promise you. And that that is only like four of the videos I've watched. I have watched probably 30 in the past like three days yeah literally so just know once you start you won't be able to stop so i watched their video when they spent i don't know if they actually spent the night or stayed there until like 1 a.m or 12 a.m at the Velisca axe murder house and this is what happened i actually transcribed it for you guys so <laughs> i'm obviously gonna go over all the history we we did that already so we don't need to talk about that quote Walking into the house feels like a moment frozen in time, as though someone had locked up every memory, word, and action inside it and thrown away the key. According to the property manager, Johnny Hauser, the murderer placed sheets over each mirror in the house to manufacture the same look from June 9th, 1912. The mirrors are covered with white sheets, which is haunting. So that was another thing Did that... I need to stop you because we're releasing this on June 9th. Ew. Oh. Ew. That? Oh, Did my God. Did you do that? I didn't know that. Ew. Did ew, you ew, intentionally ew. do that, Sarah? Lexi, look how red I am. I promise oh you I did not do that. Oh, my God. I'm shook. <laughs> ew. What the fuck are the odds of that? Okay. That's disgusting. Ew. Literally. And honestly, the case just spoke to me and I was like, I have to do it. I have to do it. So Oh my god, that's crazy. We're releasing this on June 9th. Ew, 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 ew. Okay. Anyway. So I was I was gonna have a conversation with you because I noticed that this (laughs) (laughs) I love it. This actually wasn't like we actually didn't know this until Martha and her husband purchased the house. It wasn't in documents, any police documents, any law documents. The murderer actually covered every mirror in the house. So that either speaks to his mental or like, or his spiritual self. Like, we don't know what's happening, but he did that. And they were there until they bought the house. And then they clearly took them down, but then they redid it for like the ghost tours and everything like that, which I think is crazy because... It could be spiritual, but I also think you're covering all of these because you can't face the fact that you're killing this whole family, six yeah, like children. Yeah, that's what I that's what I get from it. Like, don't take away from that though. I know mirrors have like a portal meaning in the spiritual world, but like, yeah. eh, I don't know. It's it's a little crazy. So when Johnny Hauser, who was the first story, came to the house, he says he was super into UFO conspiracies but thought the idea of ghosts was a little stupid. That was until he heard footsteps while he was alone in the house. Because remember, he said before 2014, he used to spend nights there all the time. And then after the situation with the paranormal investigator that had the knife in his chest, that's when he stopped spending nights. So we're just going to run through all of his stories. So he goes, he heard footsteps while he was alone in the house. While cleaning one day, Johnny heard someone walk upstairs and shut a dresser door. Thinking someone had broken in, he walked up the stairs to confront what he believed to be a trespasser. Quote, so he went upstairs. He went into the closet of the girl's bedroom 
And he was waiting for someone to come into the room because he heard someone walking up the next set of steps into the parents' room. Once you walk up the tiny set of steps, it's the parents' room. And then you go through a little hallway and it's the kids' room that had the four more children. He was in the children's room and he heard these footsteps downstairs. So he walked up to the room, one in the girls' room, one in the closet, stayed in there because he thought he was going to like bust some children, like bust some teenagers. Yeah. Scare the quote unquote trespassers. Exactly. So he closes the closet door. He hears the steps go up the, like the footsteps go up the steps, go into the parents' room, stop for like a good minute and then come into the children's room. And as soon as he hears them come into the room, he goes, ah, gotcha. No one's there. No one at oh, all. No. Yeah. So I honestly, I have chills from telling this story. Like if that happened to me, I would have cried. Be I would cry. But he also said he talked to his buddies afterward and they're all saying, oh, houses make noise. Like I'm fully aware of what a footstep is at this point in my life. I'm not a complete idiot. So that's what kind of got me started staying the night there. So this was his first instant ever. <laughs> okay. So Hauser also witnessed objects moving, chairs rocking, and has even heard full conversations upstairs, which I'm just going to pause on that because... Um, it was a little more in depth. He went into this on the Sam and Colby's channel for this episode. He was saying that he was downstairs and he was getting ready for a tour. And then he heard footsteps upstairs and then heard like two people having a full blown conversation. And then when he went up there, nothing was up there. And he's, but he wants to make it clear he has never seen a ghost, but that doesn't explain all these other phenomenons that he's been seeing and hearing. Like there's no way you would get into a closet unless you heard someone in the house. Yeah, exactly. I could like, say that. Like there's no way. You firmly believe mm-hmm. like, that someone someone's there. To be there to do yep. that. Exactly. And he was doing it like jokingly, but yeah. nope. There was one time a photography student took Hauser's photo with the civil war era camera in the attic. This was on a tour The photographer believed that the lighting was too dark and that the photo wouldn't turn out, he said. When the photo was finally developed, he noticed the shadow behind Hauser. And this is a quote from Hauser. Then I got to looking at the shadow and its shoulders kind of went straight down and mine kind of went out. So that kind of instantly made me think of the shadow and I'm not about that business at all. Like the shadow did not match my physical appearance at all so someone was standing behind me so so eerie yeah it was still daylight when hauser left now he gets sam and colby to come in the best (laughs) and it gets a little it gets crazy it's gonna be very hard to explain what like especially they witnessed but what me and lexi also witnessed watching this because it's going to be hard for me to explain how their equipment, their ghost hunting equipment that they bring, they show you every time that there's no way that it's calibrating. There's no way that no one's in front of it. There's nothing putting these off, their equipment off, except for energy in this house. So uh, Sam and Colby, they were capturing footage and taking notes of the two upstairs bedrooms and the attic. 
because when you go all the way up, it is the parents' bedroom, and then you go to the left, and it's the children's bedroom. But right in between them in a hallway, if you go towards the room, the child's room, and then make a sharp left, that's their attic. So this is like basically all an attic, but it was like closed off. So you can kind of see why they think the killer or killers were in the attic because it's on the same floor as the parents' room and the kids' room. <laughs> so it just grossed me out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's just an eerie feeling. Mm-hmm. It is. So they were taking notes of the two upstairs bedrooms and the attic where the killer supposedly hid out until the family and friends were asleep. They headed down the steep stairs with who was it uh, with sam going last because sam had the camera and right before sam reached the bottom he heard footsteps behind him confused he whirled around thinking someone from the team had come behind him and he didn't know but no one was there it wouldn't be the only strange happening in the house that night even though the house is fully booked for overnight stays in october hauser did say before that they did have to briefly shut down once the COVID-19 pandemic made us present and overnight tours were still po- popular. He said that it took a hit, but Sam and Colby were the first people there since then. Imagine all of this energy that is there that no one has interrupted for how many months because of COVID. And now Sam and Colby are coming in. Hot yeah. with their two friends, like whoever is with them, everything. They have all of their equipment. So when they get in, they, like I said, they start at the top floor and they said, you can see on the ceiling, which Johnny told them, like, it's a small house. It's 1912. It wasn't equipped for people like over 5'8". <laughs> so when this killer like went to hit everyone, he swung his arm back. And the axe, he was so tall that the axe, like, scraped the ceiling. And this is in every single room that this happened. Yeah, it's crazy. You can still see it. Oh, it's so gross. Like, And I mean, like, I get, like, you have to leave it there because it's part of the history, but it's crazy. It's just that constant reminder of the tragedy. They actually, they went all over the house. They, They actually used a... Home Depot flashlights that they would use to communicate as yes or no questions. And if, like, it was yes, they would put uh, have S and then turn it on or turn it off. And then they had a music box which detects movement in front of the music box. So, say if, like, I was in a room, I would point it away at a doorway to see if someone's, like, going by or coming into the room. So, it's not in the room with them, it's facing out where no one is. And if someone steps in front of it, they can communicate because it'll go off and the music goes off like a little ballerina music box, that kind of thing. And then the other thing that they do, which I want to try so bad is the spirit box, but the sensory deprivation one. So they cover their eyes, get noise canceling headphones, and then you listen to the spirit box and your friends who are out, who is ever with you doing this investigation is asking questions, but you have these noise canceling headphones on just listening to the spirit box, which if whoever doesn't know, it goes through all these frequencies and picks up words in the English dictionary that they hear on very low wavelengths. So you're just saying these random words. And then a lot of the time they match up with the questions because the spirit's listening to your friends, not you, because you're not talking. You're just there 
vessel to talk with. And that was honestly, yeah. and they they do that a lot, and it's probably my favorite. What I thought is cool, which is a sidebar, is the Estes method. Yeah, that's it. With the sensory deprivation. Yeah. That was created by the paranormal investigator at the hotel in Colorado. That a Stanley? Was oh, I didn't yeah. know that. That's really cool. Yeah. Isn't that cool? He was the one that, like created that method that sam and colby use i think it'd be so cool i want to try it but i'm also taking shit to try it i i feel like i am too but i also feel like because lexi and i are let me give you a little bit of background of me and lexi so me and lexi were only born like what 11 days after 12 days after each other yeah i'm july 6th she's july 18th both cancers and we have both talked to each other about this we are both empaths we feel everything so hard Too so much. hard yeah <laughs> and even when we're watching sam and colby's videos it's the same thing like i watched i don't know which one it was i don't think you watched it yet oh um the guy who's in ghost hunters ghost adventures he has a museum Oh, yeah, I haven't watched that one yet. Watch that me. one and beware, though, because they actually, at the beginning, and a lot of people might know who this is. I didn't until I saw this, but Peggy the Haunted Doll, if you look her in the eyes, apparently it causes, like, stuff or whatever. And, like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, God, I feel so uncomfortable. I don't know. I think it's just so crazy. But the one thing, um, so they did all these tests, and I'm not going to go through them all. You can go watch it. But I do want to point out the number one energy, most of the energy that they got was in the attic. And it was insane because when they started doing the like flashlights and the music box and everything, it was kind of like on a loop. So when it was in the parents, it was only there for about like a couple minutes and then left. And then they went into the child, the children's room. And it was kind of the same thing. No one was there. No spirit, no energy, no nothing. And then out of nowhere, it's only there for a couple of minutes. So then when they went to the attic and they were like, did the Estes message, uh, Estes method in the attic and they got answers and they were talking and it honestly sounds like the killer's like bad energy and everything is just looped in that house. Like what I was saying, the fingertips. So the, First thing he did when he got into that house was go up those steps, go to those parents, the parents' room, killed the mom and dad, went down the hall, went into the children's room, killed them, and then went down and killed the Stillinger sisters. So that's why I think it's, I see a lot of the fingerprint because they only got answers in the rooms with the energy and then it seemed to keep going in and out. But they made me, him... Sam Colby and then Johnny Hauser, the property management guy, convinced me this place is haunted and I want to go. Yeah, I want to <laughs> go. And then I also want to go to the Sally house. Yep, the Sally house. I don't even. It's very weird. So I don't want to get too much into it, but it's kind of the same. The Sally house episode is 10 times scarier and more evidence in it, I believe. Yeah. So go and watch it, but they do bring up, actually, I'm not going to tell you, they bring up the fingerprint thing, but they also bring up that this is someone puppeteering. 
It's not multiple. So I think I want to do that, but it does have a connection. So Lexi, don't worry. Well, we'll, it'll all all be a series. (laughs) I'm a firm believer though, personally. And I think besides like talking about this with Sarah, this is probably like the first time I've ever talked about this publicly because I feel like a lot of people either do or don't believe in paranormal Mm -hmm. shit. I'm a firm believer. I've had personal experiences myself. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I think because Sarah and I are both such empaths Mm -hmm. that we feel things to like an extreme but i believe places people and things all have energy and i think whether something good bad ugly evil whatever it is i think the place or the thing holds on to that energy i agree i 100 percent agree i i don't think like what Johnny Hazard said, the property manager, if you're going there expecting bad, you're going to get bad. But if you yeah. go there expecting good, you're going to be fine. So exactly, it's literally the energy you're bringing into it. No doubt it probably is like haunted no matter what, but you're not going to get bad experiences unless you want them. Yeah, unless you invite evil. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's the story. If any more questions, I know I went through Sam and Colby's, but I didn't want to do it too much because I think you should go and watch it. It's a great, great yeah, channel. Yeah, we'll link it, link their yeah. episode in our in the show notes. notes. Yeah, good idea. Um, Sam and Colby, if you're listening, I messaged you, and me and yeah, Lexi want to join so. you. <laughs> so let's do some spooky shit together. We we want to do it, and you, it would not be. A mistake. But I also do also want to point out that if any of our followers like watch TikTok or anything, that a very frequent guest they have is Selena, the Selena spooky babe. She is the best. She's the one that sleepwalks on TikTok. I love her. She is hilarious. She is so funny. So funny. I I love her. Literally the best. And then we also have uh, Chris who call me Chris. She's amazing. She does like the little girl voice and everyone like that and they just did the this is actually just came out last week the crescent hotel episode with sam and colby and chris's reactions you can tell are genuine and i think that was the number that episode the crescent hotel and then the alone alone in conjuring house got me like where i couldn't sleep i was like oh god no no (laughs) Well, like, I remember, I, I'm going to tell this to everyone, too. Remember, I it was a, maybe a month ago or a couple of weeks ago, I texted you, and I was like, I had the most paranormal experience or, like, something in my house. I was yes. like, you remember, right? Okay. Yes, you were, like, like, freaked out. out. I was so, I woke up at, like, I think it was 3 a.m., and out of nowhere, I have two dogs. The witching I have, hour. I have, yes, the witching hour. I have a pit bull, 75 pounds, and then I have a chihuahua terrier who is 13 pounds. And they're still not used to each other, but when they get comfortable in bed, the little one goes underneath the blanket and gets my big one to like growl and bark because he's like bothering him. Well, I woke up at 3 a.m., to my big one bothering me like growling because Winston my little one is between my legs and I feel him he's like moving and I was like oh my god come on and I slapped the bed he's not there and I got up and he's on the couch 
No. So, no. Some dog was in my bed. A ghost dog. Ghost dog. I'll take it though. A ghost Let's dog. You can, you can come to me whenever you want. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to tell a quick story because I feel like it's kind of related to places having energy. Yeah. Okay. So this was this was not the only time I've ever experienced something something or like a feeling. feeling. So I remember I was I was say I was like six or seven years old. And and my mom and my dad and I were moving. And we're moving out of our condo and we're looking at houses and we're with a realtor. And we go to this house. And I remember, you know, my parents were talking to the realtor and I'm just like walking around. And I remember I got a really bad feeling. And then we walked into the foyer, like entrance of the home. And I said to everyone, I said, we can't go any further. It doesn't, it doesn't want us want here. Us here. And, and the my the, mom my and my mom dad. Well, my dad, my dad was like, was if like it, there's a couple of people couple, who knew my dad, my dad growing up. And if anyone knew my dad, dad, he was extremely into paranormal stuff, stuff UFOs, UFOs supernatural, supernatural, everything, everything was a firm was believer. believer. So my dad so my looked at me and said, honey, what do you mean? And I said, whatever's here, it doesn't want us here. Something's telling us to leave. And my and mom my looked at me and was like, Lexi, what do you, do you say? say? Like, what do you mean? What are you, what are you, what are you saying? saying? I said, we need to we go. go. We're, We're not welcome, welcome here. Mm. How old are you? And then the realtor, I literally was like six or seven years old. Wow. I was young. And they say kids have like that weird, you know, type of shit. So come to find out, my mom like and my dad like just trusted me and believed that I had this like weird gut feeling. So we didn't even tour the rest of the house. Thank God. Crazy as shit. Get this. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know. The realtor told my parents that a guy had killed his whole family and then committed suicide. So it was like a family annihilated suicide case. And I said, he doesn't want us here. Where was this? It was in my hometown in like Lacey. Wow. And that's that's a in Jersey, that's close. Wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know the specific case. case. Like, I'll have to look yeah, it up and find it or something. But I remember for this day, like, my mom still talks about it being like, like that, was that was the previous you thing you've ever done. But then when, when the, the realtor, realtor said what had happened in that house, you freaked us out. I mean, you just proved you felt that energy and, like, you were not welcome. It's not like I knew what happened. Like, I was. Like a kid, and you I was like, six. Even I if said they something. told you, it wouldn't have been. Yeah, and I was like, something happened here, and whatever's here doesn't want us here. Yeah. Wow. I, that gave me the chills, literally. I have, like, goosebumps. Yeah, <laughs> and my mom, both my, my mom, mom and, and I, I said, said we, I said, said, Mom, I feel physically sick standing here. here. And like, my mom said, so I don't feel good either. And my dad was like, we need to leave. And then the realtor, like, pulled my mom, my parents aside, and were like, this is what happened here. Your kids are a lot of energy. We need to find that. We need to go, even if someone's living there. <laughs> I need to go. Yeah. Um, but I just remember, like, I, I remember it vividly, even though I was young. I remember that feeling, like, walking and just being like, no, 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 we, we don't belong here. We can't be yeah. here. Wow. That's but, and I've had some, I've had some other, like, personal experiences in, like, the house I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
also some, like, like some, some other, other stuff. stuff. But uh, I won't get into that now, but yeah. maybe I'll share those on no, another time. <laughs> but also, also too, too, if anyone listening has any cool paranormal stories they want to share, like write to us, send us a DM, email us, you know, contact us however and you know, tell us your stories because we always love listening to that kind of stuff and maybe we'll share your story. Please do. I would love this so much. I love researching, reading, watching any paranormal story. And I think that's why we got so obsessed with <laughs> Sam and Colby so quickly. Yeah, but, and that's yeah, also that's why so um, now we yeah, have a yeah, podcast that's all encompassing. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, that's the crazy story. Um, we might, I think me and Lexi, I don't know, anytime soon, but we probably want to go to the Velisca house and we want to go to like more haunting places. So we may be doing that in the future. I just don't see anything like very soon about that. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, going to plan some stuff. Yeah. yeah, a whole list of places we want to go. We do want to do the Lizzie Borden house. The Sally House. Oh, oh, which was? Oh, I forgot. Well, so, you, yeah, how did I we forget? totally forgot because one of my notes in here, literally, I just saw it when you said that. So, one of Sam and Colby's friends' name is Seth, Seth Borden, and he is actually Lizzie Borden's fifth cousin. Like, how fucking cool is that? That's wild. I mean, and then also, I do have a couple, I didn't even look at like my notes, I just went to my like transcription. But Velisca actually means evil spirit. So this is actually going to come across like when we go with the Sally house because it is connected. So just remember Velisca, which is the town of Velisca, Iowa, is means evil spirit. So, so it is a little. And also there is a community cat at the house whose name is Church, whoever likes Pet Cemetery, that is the cat that dies and comes back and, like, tries to kill everyone. So, I mean, I loved it, and I thought it was the <laughs> cutest thing that was there in the whole documentary. So. Yeah, a killer cat is so cute. Adorable. I'm just kidding. It was adorable, though. <laughs> but, all right, that was Velisca. It is crazy. We hope to go there one day. But next week... Lexi will cover Sally House and we yeah, can show House. you how it's connected because it is yeah. very interesting. Stay tuned, friends. Stay tuned. Thanks for coming to our first paranormal episode. See yeah, we have a mix of both true crime and paranormal. Oh, I love it. Um, um, again, thanks, guys, guys, for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.